Hey everybody, welcome to Couples Book Club. Um, we're not in a war zone. There's just the uh, fireworks from the state fair happening right now. I mean, it's an emotional war zone. It is. I mean, I was worried about not being able to park very close again when I had to leave during the day today. Struggle is real, my friend. But then I was able to park like across the street. So it was fine. Fucking suburban motherfuckers coming out for the state fair. Yeah. Although I can't blame them, like parking in the neighbor, free parking, and just walk over. Go back to that dying at Dick's. <laughs> Hope you enjoy Anoka. Oh. What? Yeah. Yeah. Suburbs of the Twin Cities. We're naming them. Yep. <laughs> it's got it's, it's niche humor. Niche. Some people will appreciate it. Rhymes with quiche. <laughs> I suddenly feel very silly. I can read, you can read, we can read. We're reading together. I married you, you married me. We got married, yeah, we married each other. Now we're reading books, talking in mics, discussing stuff with one another. We're a, a couple's book club. Welcome to Couples Book Club. I'm Lauren. That's Isaac. We're married. We read a book. We're going to talk about it. That's the premise of this fucking podcast. Put your ears on. Prime your ear holes, bitches. Listen up. Etc. Etc. Other things. Imprecations. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yep. <laughs> Got vocab for days. Ugh. Guy's a teacher. What a nerd. Verbose. Not really. Occasionally. Unwillingly. Largely. Yep. That's the sound of my bev. Uh, We're recording on uh, Labor Day Eve. Um, Our little uh, Soviet slash Russian uh, nesting dolls are unimpressed because the true labor day is may day obviously yeah um and also isaac has to work tomorrow i have the day off but um i'm well, a part-time employee i get time and a half as our uh, oh as our, our red forefathers intended sure i um oh there's the finale of the fireworks Some serious serious fireworks there one more day of the fair Okay, everyone's dead. Boom, boom, boom. What? Even? I was doing, I was doing some Katy Perry, but no. Oh. Baby, you're a firework. Yeah. Like that? Etc. You gotta yell more. Yeah. It's gotta sound like I'm well, well beyond my actual vocal range. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is she, is she aware of microphones? You don't need... You don't need all that volume. I, I, I mean, I'm not Dial it back, a vocal coach. Uh, I'm just someone who's a pretty good, mostly untrained singer. Um, and I, I think just, you need trained to understand what's happening there. I just don't think that's good technique. And that it's wrong. Does she not ruin her voice all the time? Gotta have a voice to ruin. Oh. I, I, she, I think she sings perfectly fine if she's not yelling. Maybe, yeah. I, I don't, don't know. really know, but anyway, we have Katy Perry. 
Opinions. Opinions. Is she still with Orlando Bloom? I don't think so. Oh. He was on an episode of uh, Midsummer Murders that I watched the other night because uh, it's on Netflix and I don't really have to pay attention while I do puzzles late at night. And um, he was a thief and also got murdered. But it was also like 18-year-old Orlando Bloom. So. Oh, he's also uh, fucking this older lady for money. Sure. Like you do. I'm not. Uh, his character was. I'm not saying Orlando Bloom did or has done that. Allegedly. It's none of my business. Orlando. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's definitely a listener. Yeah, he's a big listener. <laughs> yeah. Big in this. We're big in the uh, British uh, celebrities uh, scene. Yep. Yep. We're big on any scene, really. Yeah. This thing's blowing up, man. Uh, college friends. At least one friend from grad school, my sister, um, some strangers apparently. Yeah. I mean, we're we're grateful to you for listening, but also, what's up? Why? Yeah. I don't, what are you doing? I don't know, man. Just like reading. It's got to be a better better use of your time than this. <laughs> I would think. We're charming. Mm, speak for yourself. I'm charming. Yeah. I'm charmed by you. Yeah. That's, that's your problem, I guess. <laughs> I mean, if anyone should be charmed by you, it's probably your wife, so... <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Well, we recently celebrated our um, 11-year Facebook friend anniversary, so... It's the most important anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. None of this, like, wedding anniversary bullshit. Fuck that. Fuck it. Facebook official. Well, friends. Yeah. It was like two more weeks till we started dating. Right. Or something. Well, Facebook dating. We were probably like actually dating before then. Well, we, we, no, we, we changed our statuses as soon as we made it official. But we'd been hanging out for like one week straight. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. So. Like you do. When you know, you know. Saw that beard. Climbed inside, never got out. I got sort of freaked out this morning because I got up and uh, I went into the bathroom to brush my retainers because they make me do that. Well, they don't make, they can't make me, but the dentist sternly suggested that I should brush my retainers regularly. Yeah, I brush mine every time I use it. But like I use mine every day. And yeah. so they're like, you do it every day. Yeah. Anyway, I, I looked in the mirror in the like half light. And it looked like this entire side of my beard was, like, white. I think just because of the way the light was hitting it yeah. or something. Like, it's definitely grayer on yeah, that it's side. Much, the it's right side has much more gray hair in on it. On that side. But I thought it had just, like, I don't know, people, like, stress gray quickly. <laughs> and I just thought, like, because I've had a number of unsettling dreams last night that I don't particularly recall. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought I, like, dreamed myself gray, like, completely on that side. <laughs> It would be really Which unsettling. Which would be kind of cool, but um, yeah, it was weird. Yeah. And then when I you know flipped the lights on later, I was like, no, no, it's just the normal patch. Just regular. It's just regular. The, the light was hitting it a certain way. So. Sure. 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 Yeah, keep doing that. It's cool. I'm having some energy booze. It's all good. Anywho's will be. Do you have any other important things you need to say before we talk about the book? 
I ever have important things to say? I mean, like, in life sometimes. I'm skeptical of that. Well, I'm, I mean, not really, but it just seemed mean to say no. <laughs> I was inviting it. <laughs> but, you know, it's fine. Nothing important coming out of this pie hole. All right. Well, I'm two drinks in, and I'm I'm feeling pretty good right now. Bet you are. Um, for this week, this week, <laughs> this episode, this like six to eight week period. <laughs> Actually, it hasn't been that long since the last episode went up, but it's been a while. It had been a few weeks it. before that that we recorded it. I just hadn't gotten around to editing it. Because I'm lazy and still have a concussion, so I try not to do too much computer stuff when I'm not at work. Please clap. Anyway, for this episode, we read Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murdered, The Definitive How-To Guide by Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark of My Favorite Murder fame. It's a dual memoir that... It kind of it's pretends the, it's a, an advice book, but it's kind of just stories. Them more? Can you call it that? A what? A them more? Because it's multiple people? I have my disappointed face on right now. It's just, it's just your normal face. <laughs> or maybe you're just always disappointed in me. Maybe. It's possible. I would not blame you. If I'd come up with it, I'd be really proud of I'm, myself. I'm usually disappointed with myself, too, so I feel you. But you said it, so I'm now I'm mad. Yeah, it's because I got bad. to it first. It's dumb. It's dumb. Whatever. Love it. Because this is the second half of the energy drink, except for the part that you drank. Don't worry. I filled in the rest with the rest with crystal light. Okay. Okay. I was recently watching a some clip from um, the Late Show from Colbert, and he made a joke about uh, sneaking. I don't remember the venue, but sneaking in uh, vodka and crystal light, and I was like. I feel so seen right now because <laughs> I drink it all the time with so many flavors. It doesn't bother my stomach. I feel like you usually have like red or purple, various shades of red. Yeah, re- like a red or a pink. I did buy orange. I don't think I've ever had the orange before. I'm going to give that a go. Orange. Ar- orange. Orange. My friend Emily says it kind of like orange. It's wrong. Well, she's from Maryland. Take it up with Maryland. Maryland's wrong. Fuck you, Maryland. Weird shaped state. There's like water and shit around you. Also, your Sign flag is very busy. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Some design sense, bro. <laughs> Minimalism, etc. Et set book. I read it. You read it first, as usual. Yeah um fucking book columbus but like less awful also like other people well i guess that's like columbus i was gonna say other people had read it not this particular copy probably but yeah you weren't the first one it came out a few months ago someone at barnes and noble like pre-read it before they put it on the shelf maybe yeah so i basically just marked some shit in here that amused me or rang particularly true or something um it's divided up into sections that are like vaguely themed with some of their like 
their like most famous like catchphrases or or whatever just interesting stories from their lives basically and kind of a little and a little bit talking about how they ended up doing the podcast together and kind of what it's been like since then being all like famous and shit now so famous i mean like i mean we're about to break in to my favorite murder levels yeah i actually um started booking tour dates yeah so i mean we probably need like I don't, I don't know, like tens of thousands of more listeners to start with. But, I mean, we're almost, we're not almost there. Well, you just got to bring it to the people. They, they don't know they like it until they, <laughs> until it's forced on them. Well, did just put a new uh, stereo in my car? Myself, thank you. Well, You're I'm welcome. Thinking local coffee shop tour. Oh. Hit up some open mic nights. Hey, guys. Um, I don't have a poem or a song. Uh, we're just going to talk for over an hour about a book we read. So People should be receptive. Buckle up. Set up on the street corner with like a megaphone. Start doing it that way. They'll be like, oh, that chick's so loud and annoying. And then there's that guy and he keeps mumbling into a megaphone. What is happening? Go over, go over to Hamlin and start disrupting some classes. Sit in chairs backwards. Maybe yep. <laughs> what Teach here hasn't told you. Put down the PowerPoint point, Dexter. Pew, pew. Time to get real fucking educators with their full-time jobs and according benefits. I don't know. Should we just like go through interesting things in order, I guess? Sure. I mean, it's not really important, like the chapter headings, really. I saw on page 31. Um, this is in Fuck Politeness, and I this is uh, Georgia, I believe. And she talks about, uh, how, well, even before she developed an eating disorder, she was just like a super skinny kid. She's just real gawky. She says, at eight years old, I was alarmingly skinny. The kids at school called me the Ethiopian. Hurtful and culturally insensitive yeah, at the same kinda, time. Kind of a fucked up nickname. <laughs> kids are so clever. Right? Uh, that just amused me. That's an amusing story. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what if we ever had nicknames for skinny kids in like elementary school. I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure some kids got teeth, but I don't remember any. Because I was definitely a skinny kid, but. Uh, hey, hey, bean, bean pole. Stream bean. Bean, other bean stuff. Bean bag. Wait, no, wrong shape. I'm trying to think of some like Karen Carpenter burn, but. That's, that's too soon, Ooh, probably. Too soon. Too soon. Because had an eating disorder also. Yeah. She which, did. I'm, which I'm not making light of. but She died of heart failure at a very young age because of the starving she did. I don't think, uh, I don't think kids in the 90s would have been dropping Karen Carpenter references. They might have. I, uh was homesick one day in junior high and caught uh some like lifetime karen carpenter story like tv movie and um was intrigued and i found my mom had uh some carpenters i think she had like their best of or something and then she also had a uh on on vinyl and i had a record player in my room listened to that a lot 
Also, Karen Carpenter has a much better voice than me, but we, she's an alto, so it was in my range. And she also had a piano book of Carpenter shit. I still have some stuff that I illegally photocopied when I went to college, so I could, you know, I could bust them out if you, you need me to. Have you ever seen that, uh, the, was it Superstar, the movie? The, the like, Karen Carpenter story, the one that's filmed with, like, Barbie dolls or whatever? I've definitely heard of it. I don't remember if I've seen it or not, or seen the whole thing. I think of that, and then I think of, uh, that, uh, Sonic Youth carpenter's cover that's in juno when uh jason bateman is like hitting on ellen page and it's like super creepy which song is it um i don't remember i don't remember either i mean the song itself is creepy but the scene is especially creepy because it's just like dude this is she's like having this baby that you're gonna adopt she's like she's like 16 15 Maybe. something like that just a little baby. The movie is unfortunate. But that's, I liked uh, it at the time. Yeah, I think it's as I return to it, it's very Diablo Cody ish. I haven't rewatched it. Uh, I feel like I've seen it a couple times because I saw it in the theater, like in two thousand seven, like when it came out. Yeah, I did. I saw it in the theater too. But uh, yeah, sure, I've at least seen parts of it again. I don't know if I've watched the whole thing. So I feel like it's just like a little precious and like not not fake dialogue in the way that like you know gilmore girls is fake dialogue mm-hmm. like no one talks like that and that fast and drops in all the references but it just seems like someone's writing a, a script trying to impress someone by how cool they are kind of maybe not i don't know i, I mean that's it. a pretty like it's better than fucking uh jennifer's body but yeah that was a very so-so movie. Also, uh, Megan Fox, not a, not a particularly gifted actor. No, I don't think that's what she's there for. Yeah. Also, she's like super, like she's like a born-again Christian or something now. Is she? Yeah. That's a choice. I feel like I read something about that on the internet. And by read something, I mean saw a headline. Yeah, that's a kind of reading. I mean, it involves reading. Speaking of reading. Yeah, I guess we could talk about the book we actually read. Um, page 60. I have something. Well, that Karen's part in Fuck Politeness is the basically uh, about her mom who died of... She had early onset Alzheimer's and died pretty early on in the My Favorite Murder-like timeline. Yeah. I mean, that's just some depressing ass shit, like watching someone you love just basically disappear into a shell that is not really them anymore. But not like in a cool turtle way? Nope. A real downer. So, oh, she just talks about a thing that she did. I don't even want to tell the story. It's just too sad. Um, but it's it's really... I. Obviously, Karen's a professional writer. She's a really gifted and clever and funny writer, but also it's a really moving when she talks about like how much she loved her mom and how great she was, but how awful it was um, to watch her go. 
Did you cry? What's that? Did you cry? I might have teared up. I don't think I cry cried, but... Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. I don't have feelings except for sadness all the time. And anger. Oh, sorry, anger. Despair is a feeling also. <laughs> Separate from sadness sometimes. Sure. Just no tears. It's a dry sadness. Yeah. It's it's a dry heat. Exactly. It's a dry sadness. Yeah, yeah. It's way better than like humid sadness. <laughs> Uh, on, on 61, I have the, uh, politeness versus kindness discussion, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I thought was a good way of describing that, that like, uh, well, she, I don't remember the exact wording of it, but I have it written down as politeness versus kindness as question of actual humanity that like politeness can just be like bullshit fronting kind of stuff. Yeah. Just like going through the motions that like you say this cause this is what you say in that situation. Versus kindness is like actually being, you know, a decent person or like caring about someone versus just like acting a certain way because that's how you're sort of told to act or programmed to act or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that kind of yeah. makes me think of um, like when you watch or read like some Jane Austen or something and like uh, you see, well, like in Pride and Prejudice, like, of course, Elizabeth Bennet is like kind of a snarky bitch like she's funny sure um but she also follows all the rules of polite society and says the appropriate words and um yes so she's polite but you know she has no respect for most of the people sure 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 sure, sure. but i also respect uh the um phrase fuck politeness because as someone who was uh, raised as a nice Mormon girl um, and was like praised for being nice and like teachers in elementary school would like pair me with like weird kids because I would be nice to them. Uh, um, friend whore? Shit like that. Well, we weren't really friends, but I was nice to them. That once I got to be like a young adult... And realizing, like, especially being on my own and the out and about and stuff. And just, like, gross, creepy dudes trying to, like, hit on me and talk to me and stuff. That eventually I realized that I didn't have to be nice to them. Yeah, people people abuse politeness. Yeah, like, I... I if they think that they can count on it. I had to learn that I didn't have to be... Like, you don't have to be a dick. But, like, you don't have to indulge other people. You don't have to go along with shit just to be polite. And um, and I'm still very conflict avoidant, but... Um, I, I, I would say that is one of the greater... One of the few things I've enjoyed about getting older so far. It's not... It's just, like, not caring anymore not about stuff. Shit. Yeah. Like before right. where I would have been reacted to a situation in one way. Now it's like, nope, fuck that. I'm going to take care of myself. You yeah. can do whatever Well, and it's you not about being a jerk to people or like bullying service workers or any shit like that. It's just about well, it's just like. not taking unnecessary shit, basically. Yeah. yeah. And just being like, hey, I'm uncomfortable with this situation. It's fine for me to say something or to leave or whatever. Yeah. And um, I wish that I had figured that out earlier. Um, but that's kind of the social conditioning. Well, you're told that, not to. Yeah, that <laughs> that women are given. 
And there's also, of course, an element of like, keep yourself safe. Like if you, if being polite or going along with something is going to keep you from getting killed, possibly, then you do what you need to do. Like, that's not a judgment. It's just a, yeah. Um, I guess it's just a thing that comes with life experience, like figuring out when you're like, hey, I don't have to be polite to this person. I have to deal with the shit that they're saying. Yeah, so I appreciated that distinction. Mm-hmm. That was useful. Um, I just marked something on 67, which is Karen's lecture on self-care. I'm just going to read this. This just made me laugh. As we begin... Picture me dragging a chair across the floor of the imaginary classroom we're now in together, slamming it down and sitting in it backward. That's right. I'm about to relate to you on a deep, mid-90s, dangerous minds level. You might not be ready. I see you crossing your arms and squinching up your face, knowing there's nothing I can teach you you haven't already learned in this accredited junior college we call real life. (laughs) That's just funny. She's funny. She's a comedian. I guess she's good at it. Things are supposed to be funny. That's what you do, yeah. theoretically. Yeah. What's your next thing? Uh, seventy-two. I feel like this is a Georgia thing, but I don't really remember. I did not mark them as such. But the idea of no, uh, it's that's Karen. Uh, I have it written down as uh, common ground of hate has shortcut to human connection, <laughs> where you can just bond with people over like hating the same stuff. Sure. Uh. Which I feel like is probably how a lot of my friendships were started. Yeah. Uh, but I think there it's sort of couched in like, a, hey, maybe there are more productive ways to like be friends with and connect with people instead of just constantly like bitching about stuff. Like that's, you know, fun to a degree. Yeah. But I mean, it's certainly entirely possible that I've been that friend in situations too, but like that's sort of. I don't know, tiring when someone is just like constantly complaining about shit and like hyper negative about stuff all the time. There's a certain amount of that that can be charming because I'm that bitch. 100%. Yep. Uh, I don't even need to take a DNA test. But that might be too, uh, I don't know, a sort of adulting kind of thing that as you get older, you need something different from friendships than just like getting together to like bitch about stuff with people right but that can certainly be an element of it but there has to be other i don't know i think there just needs to be affirmative kinds of stuff a positive element that's not yeah when also as you get older like you're not gonna hate the same things anymore i still hate stuff but i hate oh i hate a lot of things in some case most things honestly but I hate them them differently. Also, as I get older, I feel like I still hate a lot of things, but I'm more tolerant of other people liking things that I don't like. As in, like, I mean, there's still stuff that I talk shit about a lot, a lot of things. But also, if it's somebody that I like and they've found something or someone that fucking make some happy and i'm not that into it i'm just kind of like okay go for it it's kind of, kind of a bless their heart situation yeah but it's it, but i don't like judge them for it because 
it's really hard to be alive. And if you can find a little sliver of something that makes you feel not miserable for a little while, then like fucking do it. Even if I think it's cheesy, it's sure. none of my business. Sure. sure, sure. I like plenty of cheesy shit myself. You? I only like cool shit. I have dozens of stuffed animals with names and, and personalities and backstories. Which apparently is weird to some people. <laughs> apparently. I do jigsaw puzzles like an old lady. I drink vodka and crystal light, which is apparently hilarious, but also delicious. Mm, I'm skeptical. Crystal light's kind of, it's like sassy water. <laughs> I mean, it is just powder and water. Yeah. But that's what I've been reduced to because my gut is so terrible and I still want to drink alcohol. Um, so I've, I don't drink real juices anymore. It's just powdered water to go with my vodka. Listen, okay, sometimes when you get old, you do cheesy stuff. Your body fails you. And your body fails you. Start making concessions. Horde. Yeah. You have to pronounce it like that. Horde. 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 This this is admittedly the one the one moment in the book where I sort of teared up a little bit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I actually cried, but it was it was imminent. You have feelings too. Uh yes you do. During uh George's description of her like Ray Bradbury thing. Hmm. Uh and why that was like a big deal to her to like read those books to get her out of like shitty headspace mm-hmm. life stuff. But then when she uh like met him like went to see him speak or do a reading or whatever and like talk to him for a minute afterwards and mm-hmm. then he like sent her a package with like a signed book and stuff in it. Yeah. I thought that was super adorable and very yeah. cute. Uh, well, and also I like that her teacher was like, wear, like, wear a cute dress. Like you're a cute girl. You'll get. Dudes. It's what they're like. Well, Check, checking out hot teens. I mean, it doesn't mean he's like a sleaze bag, but you yeah. know. It it also like help you in situations like maybe inching past security that sort of thing. Yeah, no, that is really sweet. I just she, thought that story was really cute. Yeah, and the she fact gave that he him a actually, letter like responded, responded to it. Because uh, it like obviously meant a huge meant a lot to her just to like have those books and then to like be able to go see him talk and then to be able to talk to him and then to have him sort of respond to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, small 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 things people can do that mean a lot to another person mm-hmm. are, uh, it, it, it hit me right on the day that i read it i guess yeah. so. no it's very sweet and it's i read some ray bradbury my mom got me some ray bradbury because i was kind of into sci-fi stuff as a teen i read a little bit in like junior high and high school i liked it but i think i only ever read fahrenheit 451 i don't know if i read anything i else. actually haven't read for fahrenheit 451 i was not super impressed with it but you know i did read martian chronicles and at least one other book like i owned martian chronicles i didn't find it life-changing but that's i also didn't um start doing math at 13 so you know, Fall, di- falling behind man different strokes why well, i've started doing math at all mormon method I just, I've got, I'm I'm about to turn 36 here in a couple of weeks. I haven't tried math. Is it time? Yeah, it's be, it's well past time. <laughs> I make this happen. <clears throat> I'm probably not gonna. Probably not. 
Um, this is in the section you're in a cult. Call your dad. Um, and this is Karen. And she's, I think she's talking about just like living in LA and how big like cults are there. Cause there's people kind of like people, people seeking, seeking. Yeah, exactly. She's talking about Scientology and, um, but just like, uh, I'll just read this paragraph on 101. Because that's the thing about cults. They make it real easy to join. They try to convince you they have the answer. They try to appeal to your deepest needs. I mean, who doesn't want to hang out in a place called the Celebrity Center? It sounds like if you could just get inside, Jack Nicholson would be there to greet you with a huge smile and a cigar. Welcome. You've made it to Hollywood. Your worries are over. Here's the bad news. Your worries are never over. They just keep coming. Eventually, you have to learn how to deal with them yourself. There's no one answer. It just isn't simple. Which is real as fuck. Your worries are never over. I and, and I, I understand that, that coming from a religious background, that I basically bailed as soon as life got complicated. But I had also been taught my whole life that, like, like Jesus is, is the answer. Sure. You know? And when Jesus didn't make me not depressed, I was kind of like, well, fuck that. Jesus. You just didn't want it. Well, I also did I think that it. for a while that I had just didn't have enough faith. Did you pray hard enough? I prayed a lot. Nothing happened. Not enough, apparently. It's genetic. Psst. At least partially. If you believe in genes. I do. Also, Mormons do too. They own Ancestry. Dot com. They own all your genetic material and your family trees, just BT dubs. They're baptizing the shit out of those people. But also having come out of that background, I at least like to think that I would not be susceptible to a cult. I mean, besides improv. Um, because I'm just kind of like, fuck that. Nothing has the answer. Uh, no group of people can... I'm, I'm just skeptical of a lot of like group activities. Yeah, you have to be kind of a joiner, I think, to be into cult shit. And I can do that stuff, and sometimes I do, and it's fun. But I'm very selective about it because I hate everyone. And also but because, you know, I got burned pretty hard by the whole Mormon thing. I feel like I could get into, like, a nihilist kind of cult. Yeah. Potentially. The Amy oh. Mann be there with her toe cut off? Maybe. Maybe. Flea. Yep. Various uh, marmots. Is that what it is? I don't remember. It's been a it's been a while since I watched that front to back. But yeah, me too. It's on TV all the time. Yeah. Uh, TV edits are never the never the same. Whenever I find out if, that someone I like doesn't like the Big Lebowski, I'm always like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened to you. Who hurt you? Who hurt you? It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Clearly. Mm. Well, those people are just wrong. Mm -hmm. And there's no saving them. So just got to move on. Anyway, Karen's right. Cults can't change your life or save your life or fix your problems. I mean, they can change your life. Oh, yes. excuse me. Not necessarily in a positive way. It's like... Um, it's like a Molotov for your soul. Exactly. You just have different problems. As Jason Mendoza says. Yeah. Portals. 
but also um what uh <laughs> linda belcher says about alcohol alcohol doesn't solve your problems just makes them go away in parentheses for a little while so it's your it's your strategy yeah uh, maybe maybe are you in like a bob's burgers cult yes no those people in the q a run a bob's oh, burgers God. cult yeah, the time we went to a Bob's Burgers live event, which, which was, was a delightful. perfectly pleasant event. Yeah. Until people start asking questions. Yeah, then there was a, a Q&A, and I was like, I'm never going to any kind of con. No. <laughs> because that's what it would be like. Yeah. So embarrassing. Hardcore fan people doing stupid stuff. Like, will you read my script? Hey, will you say this line in your in, in, in the Bob voice? Oh, God. No. It's not about you. No one came here to hear you. Yep. Sit the fuck down. The only thing that made that... Um, a couple weeks ago, we went to a uh, a midnight showing of The Room, and Tommy Wiseau was there. Got a picture. It was amazing. Um, and there was a Q&A before the movie, which I didn't really need in my life. But we did get the full Tommy Wiseau experience. And basically, the only reason it wasn't completely, like... I want to die and crawl under a, a something, a rock. People do that. Um, was because Tommy Wiseau basically didn't answer any of the questions and just rambles and doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, he just like intentionally or unintentionally sort of artfully dodged a number of the questions, mm -hmm. rejected various premises, mm -hmm. et cetera. Well, and the, per and the people who try to ask where he's from, like, fuck you. That's the number one thing he's not going to answer. You know yep. that. Yeah. He's yep. not going to answer it today, uh, his third night in a row in fucking Minneapolis. I, I, I might have rather heard that question than uh, someone getting their boobs signed. Oh, that was uncomfortable. Which was unfortunate. Yeah. But girl. Yeah. You don't, you don't want this to happen. It's certainly a thing that happened. Yep. Certainly a thing that happened. Yeah. So that's, that's fun. I think this is still Karen's uh, one, uh, you're in a cult, call your dad. Oh, well, she's talking about, like, her alcoholism and, like, getting, uh, ending up with having seizures and uh, realizing that she couldn't drink anymore because she would die. Um, but she, uh, uh. Oh, because her doctor's asking her how much she drinks, and she lowballed it, and he was still like, "Oh my god," um, and she's saying everybody else she knows drinks that much, and uh, just this was just funny. I'm just gonna read you a funny part. One oh six. The problem with my thinking, with my thinking, was that even though all my friends did drink as much as I did, none of them were in the hospital for grand mal seizures. Just me, all alone. Trying to explain my rad social life to this high and mighty pilgrim doctor. Oh, I'm sorry, Pa Ingalls. Are you scared of partying? Is that why you always got your homework done and became a doctor like a little bitch? <laughs> that made me really happy. <laughs> I'm always up for a little house on the prairie burn, so that's that's fair. Also calling becoming a doctor like being a little bitch. Kind of is. Let's be honest. No offense to the medical profession as such, but you know. On one thirty, uh, Georgia's talking about being a latchkey kid, and um, 
talking just being fascinated by true crime at an early age. And she's saying uh, that the 80s practically forced it down our throats in the name of TV ratings. There isn't one person my age who doesn't still get the chills when they hear the gravelly, soothing voice of Robert Stack or hear the creepy theme, th- theme song from Unsolved Mysteries. Um, and uh, having been uh, recently rewatching the Unsolved Mysteries, the Unsolved watching unsolved mysteries on uh, amazon first of all the fashion is amazing sure theme song still creepy sure and um i'm a couple years younger than georgia but it is definitely like everybody i feel like i know that you know actually watched tv at all as a kid feels the same way like oh they used to scare me so bad but i loved it (laughs) Unsolved Mysteries and Rescue 911 were mine. Oh, yeah, Rescue 911. Scary as fuck. Yeah. It's fucked up because it's real. It's so real. Uh, yeah, so my next one's on that next page. Um, and I think, I guess this is part of that same discussion of how she became sort of interested in true crime or why she became interested in true crime. Mm-hmm. Um, but a part that sort of made sense to me, I guess, to that end was uh she talks about it as um confirmation that the world is i don't know not that great or kind of a scary place Mm -hmm. that like if you already have this sort of general sense that like things are not as they seem or you're sort of taught that life is this one thing and that it doesn't really seem to work out that way for you that true crime i don't know confirms that it's like, yeah, there's a bunch of scary shit out there and there's fucked up people doing fucked up stuff and you're not wrong to to sort of think about that or notice mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I thought that was sort of interesting. I guess that was kind of my, I don't know, experience to a degree. It just seemed like there was always like darker shit happening because I was always into like, I don't know, disasters and stuff like that when yeah. I was a little kid. Mm-hmm really into like pompeii and the titanic and other things uh cute little creep i had this uh i don't remember what it was called i want to say like world's worst disasters or something like that uh book from the like scholastic book uh catalog of course uh with the hindenburg on the front of it Mm. that was like one of my favorite books when i was like in early elementary school nice Uh, because it was just like here's all the horrible stuff that can happen in the world just fyi so i got a save by the bell book it's not it's not quite as cool no also lots of babysitters club i uh yeah i started getting into more creepy morbid things around the time i started to really discover and use uh, sarcasm so mid to later elementary school and um yeah x-files was my favorite show starting in fifth grade and I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily know why I was attracted to that stuff. And I read books about like, I read those, yeah, like scary stories to tell in the dark and stuff about like creepy urgent urban legends and wrote stories about murder for school assignments, which apparently concerns no one. Um, well, it's also, it wasn't like a school shooting story or something like that. It was also probably, the 90s. They probably wouldn't care. And I was like a cute little Mormon girl who uh, also wanted to research 
different kinds of poison and learned about strychnine and used that in a story. Yeah, I, I, I don't, maybe it was because like my family and home life was so fucking wholesome that I was just like, I have maybe kind of like, uh, I don't want to say, dark impulses sounds isn't correct, but just I'm attracted to that. And so I sought it out. Yeah. Where like, well, no, I mean, there's something to be said for that, that if you live like a, I don't know, standard, boring, like suburban kind of life. Yeah. That there's something sort of, I don't know, attractive about that kind of like mm-hmm. difference, darkness kind of thing. Not that you yourself want to go out and like start murdering people, but it's sure. just, you know, interesting to understand that like this is a thing that exists in people. Uh, and just wondering, you know, what makes these people tick? Why do they do kind of what they do sort of stuff? When I was also like everyone, I was also into like, yeah, that was around the same time I kind of got into like sci-fi and aliens and just kind of like, I don't know, because just being a regular person's boring and I, we literally only ate white bread in our house, you know, like, <laughs> what are you going to do? I was looking for something else. Yeah, you were. On 178. So this is in Don't Be a Fucking Lunatic. Um, and Georgia is talking about uh, therapy. She's very into therapy. They're both into therapy. But Georgia started going to therapy as a kid, which to me is crazy. Like, I remember my friend, um, her older sister. I mean, her family was pretty neurotic. So I'm not surprised. But um, And that's not like a slam. But, like, her older, one of her older sisters... Like, went to see a therapist for a while, and it was, like, a thing that was whispered about. Um, but now I'm like, actually, that's great. If you're, like, 13, 14-year-old is having issues, yeah, definitely send her to therapy. Like, there should be no stigma. Um, well, I think that's something also that's, you know, a bit different 25 years later. That in the oh, 90s, yeah. it was a different thing. Yeah, no, this was in the mid-90s, definitely. Um, But... Uh, Georgia was talking about uh, her first therapist was named Irma and um, she had this idea of like what therapy was or should look like um, and at one and, and but it was like a child's therapist office and so they would like do puzzles and draw and shit um but on 178 she talks about uh um after a few more sessions which of course i didn't understand at the time were a way to get me to open up and talk to her the puzzles and drawing i asked her why we couldn't have a normal quote grown-up therapy session i think i even asked her if we could have a real session you know like on tv where i lie on a couch and you ask me questions and study my mind and interpret my dreams uh and uh, they, she actually did that, and um, for her, and that is adorable. Bet you like that. She describes herself as precocious as fuck, <laughs> which pleases me. That's very cute. Yeah, my next one's on one eighty two. Okay, which I guess is part of this. I think this is still mm-hmm. Georgia talking about having like a life coach. Okay. Uh, and. I think it's the life coach who maybe George is talking about being like unmotivated. Mm-hmm. 
and the life coach says that motivation isn't necessary and that you just have to like do stuff yeah which i thought like no i don't think that really like i don't know maybe that works for some people i guess but if I don't have motivation, like, stuff's not happening. Even if it's me forcing myself through something, like, there's still some shred of motivation there, even if it's just, like, fear of a particular consequence or something. Uh, I just don't, I don't really see how you can divorce that motivation well, I think from, it's like, like, doing stuff. I think there's a difference between motive, like, inner motivation and um, action out of, like fear of external consequences which is like uh yeah i don't think that i think she's complaining about not feeling motivated which i rarely do like from in within myself to be like i'm gonna do the thing sure whereas instead it's more like i have to go to work that's my responsibility i need to keep my job we need money whatever that's what you do when you're an adult that's life or like, I have to go to rehearsal. There's expectations. People are relying on me. This is a commitment I made. To me, that's different than than being like, I have the motivation. I have the this idea and I'm going to do the thing because I want to because I feel like it. I guess I just don't remember what that is. So. <laughs> um, I don't have a lot of it either. So I get that. I get that. Because I'm not motivated to do shit. I don't know. I guess I'm just usually motivated out of, you know, fear. Yeah. Or what I understand as motivation. Yeah. Like, positive desire doesn't exist. And so... I mean, allegedly it exists. and And I feel like I felt it before. But sometimes you do just do the thing anyway. Even if you don't want to like recording this podcast haven't really felt like it I'm putting it off now we're finally doing it and i'm enjoying it uh was it motivated no not at all yeah. but it did it anyway yeah i think that's the life coach's point i guess i don't know i think when i read it, it the just do it thing seemed like uh and i know coming Coming from a life coach, that's probably not necessarily how it's intended, but it's just like a suck it up kind of thing. Mm. And I, I could I see that immediately had kind of a go fuck yourself reaction. Yeah. So. Yeah, I yeah I think that the way that Georgia found it to be helpful, and the way that I don't know if I find it to be helpful, but just like there's um especially as a person or as people with depression i'm not depressed oh wow just the world is too upbeat okay it's their fucking problem i'm the normal one okay cool 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 things are fine um i kind of get mad at myself for not wanting to do more or finding it difficult to do even things that i like and um, things I do. I do like some things. What fucks up with that? Hey, you like those popsicles? Well, just a cold vehicle. <laughs> um, you're kind of bumming me out, bro. That's how I do. Uh, 
Sadness is the brand. Anyway. I've got another one on 184. Okay. Uh, still Georgia, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about the idea of forced nihilism. That yeah, she I have that marked. Defaulted to that and the idea of doubt being safer than faith or optimism. Though I would argue more correct also. <laughs> yeah, I have that marked. Although I do think that's something I've, I've thought about this occasionally that uh, grad school did not help with. Oh, heavens no. Since cultural studies Mm-mm. is essentially like the practice of doubt. Yeah. And so like when that becomes a methodology and the way that you approach fucking everything, mm-hmm. it just like infects the rest of your life. So like I can't. Is that, is that, I feel like that's an onion headline or something. Noam Chomsky decides to like calm the fuck down and actually enjoy something for once. <laughs> uh, right. It's like you can't just like like a thing or do a thing. Like you have to like unpack everything around it. Right. Uh, well, and I do think that that's like there's a certain type of person who's attracted to that, like to cultural studies, and obviously we're both like that. Yeah, and I like it to a certain degree, but it can go, it can run amok pretty easily. It's it yeah it's at looking at every single thing every cultural product every everything every person whatever and being like okay what's fucked up about this thing here's all the ways or like what's wrong with this or how is this um or like here here's enforcing how, hegemony <laughs> here's how I react to a thing why do I react that way what informs that reaction yeah what's fucked up about uh the things that inform that reaction right. And, and yeah, it's just, it's a, a weird rabbit hole. And I, again, I think as I was kind of saying earlier, and as I get older, and especially as I get further and further away from academia, like time, emotionally, whatever wise, that I am getting better at just like, just, just like a thing. Like, I don't have to ironically like, uh, hallmark christmas movies i actually like them they're real bad and i have a lot of problems with them but i enjoy them and they make me feel good for you know two hours or whatever and in the dark black hole of my heart on this burning planet find pleasure where you can is what i say when i wonder i mean i don't know if this is a like generational narcissism kind of thing but i feel like there's something sort of unique about the 90s in that respect the The, like like, ironic distance thing yeah oh yeah i just feel like that was a a decade where that was especially kind of i don't know mainstreamed or emphasized in a certain kind of way so there was like that little kind of like ironic remove all the time well and like being told by multiple people in high school like oh my god you're just like daria and being like yes but or just like you you like a thing but in the back of your mind you have a defense prepared Mm -hmm. like if someone gives you shit for it Mm -hmm. so you can either like reposition it as a like ironic appreciation for it or whatever Mm -hmm. i just I, i can remember going through that process in like elementary school junior high high school of just like having my rebuttal in place 
in case I ever like professed actual appreciation for something. Mm-hmm. Just like, okay, here's how I can salvage this. If it turns out I liked the wrong thing or liked it the wrong way or whatever. Which maybe is just a standard teenage thing. Yeah, I think that's but... part of it. But there was definitely kind of like a, a like a, a, I feel like a Gen X kind of like. Well, we've talked about it before thing. a little bit, but like the fact that selling out used to be a thing mm-hmm. that you would like, like try to avoid. Sure. And if someone did that, it was like the kiss of death. And it's just, it, that seems like that's not a thing that really exists. It's a quaint idea. In 2019. In 2019, everyone has sold out. You can't not sell out. If you want to make money and survive, you're selling out. Yeah. Okay. Um. In the section entitled, Get a Job, this is Karen talking about, like, trying to basically trying to break into comedy um and how long it took her to like really actually make it with like real paychecks and stuff um and told by lots of people especially people who hadn't worked in show business that she should like you know basically get a real job or whatever and um let's see on 199 she says This is when I learned a valuable lesson. Anyone trying to give you career advice is full of shit, especially if it's a family member. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, People hear about you trying to do something they were never brave enough or lucky enough to try. Um, And then it goes on. But uh, that can often be true. People uh, don't know what they're fucking talking about. Just makes me think of my dad talking about like, oh, you just got to walk in and, uh, you know, just ask ask for a job just go in there fill out an application because places have physical applications still like you were last on the job market literally half a century ago yeah Mm -hmm. do not talk to me about this at all right you have no idea what you're talking about especially in academia well yes but well and i mean much less people outside of academia or outside of at least like college level academia uh talking about stuff it's like you have no idea what this job landscape is like right now well and i feel like even people that i know like acquaintances asking me like well wouldn't oh isaac has all these jobs like wouldn't he rather have like a one full-time job like of course he would no i like i prefer having three jobs and constant instability like (laughs) what you fucking kidding me it just like well just people outside of academia have no idea what it's like they just have no idea you can just get a single full-time job right they have no idea what it's like yeah and they're not trying to be dicks but it's like a they're accomplishing it despite their best efforts (laughs) to the contrary um yeah but it's just like nope nope but also and then i well and that's that's american dream bullshit bootstrap ethic garbage that you just have to like want it bad enough and that like things will good things will magically appear and come to you yeah with work ethic and effort and it's like no absolutely not yeah if nothing if adulthood has taught me nothing else it's that effort often has negative consequences much less positive <laughs> consequences that there's an inverse relationship between how hard you try and how much you get rewarded for that effort 
but then there's also like the stuff about like trying to make it in show business and stuff and as I I'm not actually in show business because I live in Minnesota but like you know I do comedy I perform and stuff and um talking to people about doing that and how like that's really what I want to do is 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 write and perform and stuff and um but it's not possible for most people to make a living at that um and just people not really understanding I don't know or when people hear about how much education I have and then they find out what I do which is a part-time data entry job yeah um for as long as we can afford for me to do that like I feel like they don't really understand but it's like this has actually been really amazing for my mental health and I have so much more time and energy for doing like comedy things in the evenings and stuff and uh like once I decided I wasn't going to be a professor I kind of gave up on any idea of having any sort of like quote career and I'm not sure that's a reality for a lot of people our Careers age anyway don't exist anymore you know yeah and so um we're in we're in the late capitalist hellscape you have uh <laughs> hobby jobs that you do periodically uh everybody's got a side gig and none of us are making it <laughs> yep yep um 233 um this is georgia in buy your own shit She's talking about this dude that she dated when she was like 18 or 19 that she was like super duper in love with. Just the Vespa dude. The Vespa dude. Yeah. And he. In my head, I imagined him as um, the like 50s dude that shares into in uh, Clueless. Oh, yes. Um, can't think of his name right now. I don't now. remember his name. I just but, recently yeah. rewatched that movie. Yeah. Though. That's that's how I envisioned him, even though he's not really described that way. But no, no. But um, yeah, this dude was trying to ghost her, and she just like wasn't having it because she was like eighteen and then like super obsessed with him. Sure. Talk, talking about how shitty that was to be rejected in that way, because he like apparently had some long term girlfriend, and she was like the side chick, and she didn't know that. Yep. Um, but then she kind of like couldn't leave him alone and she said um it was the point in my life when i realized that dudes who talk about their crazy ex-girlfriend are full of shit what they're really talking about is someone they hurt and didn't leave the way they found um because she's like he was trying to ghost her and she kept calling him and like well and paging him because 90s sure and all this shit and like didn't understand how he could talk about how much in love with her he was and then just like completely stop talking to her. Um, I was like, yeah, no, she's not crazy. You made her fucking crazy by acting like that. Whatever. And I remember my brothers talking about how their ex-girlfriends being crazy. I'm just being like, she didn't seem crazy. Maybe you were a dick to her. Or maybe she just had a feeling and that made you think she was crazy. Feelings are gross and wrong. We've established that. I think we have. But it was very cute that then she bought her own Vespa to drive around. She didn't need him. She didn't need a man. I don't remember the exact context for this. I know what the larger context is because I think this is like a side box 
where I think Karen is talking about something she some performance she saw uh, where the woman who was performing was talking about like be be nicer to 13 year olds the idea of like 13 year olds that like that's such a fucked up age for everyone that like all this horrible stuff is happening your body's changing your brain is changing all this stuff and that Mm -hmm. most people are kind of train wrecks in a certain way yeah uh and you just need to like try to understand that and be a little bit nicer to them when it like made her cry and she didn't realize like how like wounded she still was over shit that happened when she was that age what i think about that sometimes because i you know the way my brain works is that i regret decisions i made in junior high spontaneously (laughs) yeah me too uh i was a mean girl in seventh grade i don't fucking know why but sometimes i i have to remind myself like you were like a kid yeah you were a baby and like maybe you need to be a little bit nicer to yourself in terms of like expectations for what what you could have done or how you could have acted in that moment that you know hindsight gives you uh the the sort of benefit of seeing it in a certain way but like in the moment you know this is how you handled it and that might not be great but you can understand how you got there but you were a child who's just trying who's just trying to figure out how everything works yeah 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 i do i do as much as i'm like yeah kids in middle school are trash they're not actually trash they just don't know anything and they're very difficult to handle and people who teach them and work with them are america's heroes yeah no i mean you're you're young and stupid and you don't know anything and you're operating off of like half knowledge of things at best yeah uh and you know mistakes will happen doesn't mean it's not shitty but it also doesn't mean that you're like a malicious person it's just you're you know uh, operating with partial information right i don't i think i came out of it relatively scathed although i definitely carried guilt for a long time wait scathed or unscathed unscathed okay you said scathed sorry i'm three drinks in freudian slip yeah but but definitely had guilt about being a dick to like someone who had been one of my best friends and just being like an asshole because it felt like the thing to do i don't i don't know suddenly i couldn't stand people around me and just acted in weird ways sometimes i think about uh if i had a time machine the top five things that i would go back and undo (laughs) yeah so that's i guess partly i don't really want to have that i don't want to do that exercise it's enlightening i suppose i i mean there's things that i am embarrassed about or kind of feel i don't really feel guilty about them anymore but i you know there's a certain amount of of regret i guess but i just i don't think that i could be who i am now if i hadn't gone through that shit or done that shit you know yeah i suppose i'm not like grateful i'm not like that was awesome i would do it again yeah but like it is what it is yeah 
Um, two fifty eight, which is stay out of the forest. Um, and Georgia's talking about like what it was like growing up in her family and going camping with her dad and her siblings and uh, talking about just like being how they were all kind of troublemakers. Um, but my favorite aside, there's no more details. It's just this. Uh, I once told my soccer coach to go fuck himself when we, when he wouldn't stop hounding me. I think I was 10. And we were all like that. I, I appreciated that. Yeah, I remember I like that detail. Too. Fuck yourself. That's Ten. kind of amazing. Sassy. As you please. Did I ever tell you about the, the cross-country incident? Mm, I don't know. I never told you about this. Um, my brain broke in eighth grade. Sure. I think that's when, like, the depression and anxiety stuff cropped up in, in like, profound earnest. Uh and I had a really hard time with cross country that season for whatever reason. Cause I think in seventh grade I did pretty well and I was pretty good. Uh, but it has the benefit of being you're a seventh grader. So the expectations are lower for you that it's like your first year doing it. The eighth graders are the ones who are supposed to be good at it, whatever. Uh, and so in eighth grade, I had a lot of trouble with that cause I had something to like compare to mm-hmm. cause I'd run these races at these places the previous year or whatever. And so I had times and so I was like super neurotic about, you know, like, am I matching my time? Am I doing better? Whatever. Uh, and so got kind of wound up and felt a lot of pressure about that. And so I don't remember what race it was, but I remember, uh, running a race one time and like the parents would sometimes stand somewhere along the course, depending mm-hmm. what the course was, they'd cheer for you or whatever. Uh, and I was running by, uh, my mom and she was like come on isaac whatever and was clapping at me uh and i told her to shut up when i ran past her <laughs> oh my god i can't imagine which is not in my top five but i do i do regret that because it was a shitty thing to do uh you're such a nice boy and your mom is so nice yeah but it was just like i cannot deal with this right now i'm putting enough pressure on myself Aww. and that just felt like an expectation where it was like you need to run faster, you need to do better, which is clearly not what she was no. saying, but it was just like, I just need people to leave me the fuck alone oh. and let me do this thing. Poor baby Isaac. Yeah, so I told her to shut up, which I felt bad about, but okay, okay. I guess as a, as a footnote to that too, that was, uh, I don't know if I ever actually explained that to my mom, that that was sort of the thinking. I'm sure I gave her something because she gave me shit after the race, understandably for like being yeah. a little a little bitch, but yeah. Uh, in my in my defense, that was not a great year for me. That was also the year I, I know I've told you about this, where I had the math teacher who used to make fun of me when I messed stuff up in class, uh, who was uh, That's pregnant. Not a and then she method. went on leave, and we had like a long term sub who was so much better. Yeah, because uh, she was fucking awful, and I hated her. And she's my probably first or second most hated teacher in my academic career, because uh, that's an awful thing to do to someone at a shitty age when you're 14 well, years especially, old especially but any age you don't make fun of people yeah that's ca- not it was counterproductive a, that's not a teaching method yeah so jesus christ yeah. fuck her fuck her well when this goes big we can uh we can rub it in her face i didn't attach her name to it but i, ca- I can name names if necessary okay um i have one more thing marked it's just a funny thing and this is Georgia talking about, this is still stay out of the forest, talking about um, going camping with her family. 
with her dad. And uh, she says, the first step to our camping experience was always to erect the tent. Sounds easy, right? No, it is not. It is stupid and I hate it. It just reminds me of you being super drunk and putting up that uh, tent in our backyard at that. uh, At one of our birthday parties. Hell party. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, The people you'll meet in hell birthday party. Yeah. Yeah. We'd got a, we got a tent. We registered for a tent for our wedding. And I don't think we've used a couple sleeping bags, sleeping bags we've used, but the tent, I don't think has been used like actually. Nope. I set it up in our yard while I was drunk at that party. Uh, yeah, never used it, but we have it. Who were you at that party? Uh, I was a pharmaceutical rep. Oh yeah. Yeah, I gave everybody pharmaceutical pens I got on eBay and like little, uh, like Tic Tac containers that I'd like put fake, uh, like medicine names on and stuff. I was Charles Manson. Yeah, you were Charles Manson. That was a fun party. It's a little on the nose, probably, but. Yeah. So, uh, stay sexy, don't get murdered. Was it was good. It was good. I mean, obviously, as a my favorite murder fan, I feel like I relate to Georgia and Karen and that they're my friends, even though they don't know me. Are you a Georgia or a Karen? I'm a Karen. No, definitely a Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes I mean, everybody I'm sure is a mix of the two, but I'm definitely a Karen. <laughs> I think. I identified more with her stuff, I think partly because of age, but partly just because of makeup. Yeah, it was great. It's a it's a it's a quick light read. Um there's some there's a few things in there that'll make you feel some feelings. Um but mostly it's just like interesting stories from their lives and um fun anecdotes, good writing. I liked it. I expected to like it and I did like it. Yeah. I was not disappointed. We've got some options on the table. TBD. As far as the next uh hate read goes, uh I'll 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 post about it. In case you read along, I don't. No one does. I don't think anyone does. I don't but even let's read a- along most of the time. <laughs> you just faking it? Yep. You're doing a great job. It's a decade of teaching, my friend. <laughs> um, but yep, yeah, we'll read some shit book next. Um, you know, you can get in touch with us the normal ways: email couplesbookclubcast at gmail dot com. We also have a website, couplesbookclub.blog. dot blog. You can find us on Facebook, um, or you can get in touch with me. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as DinoLoreRexNut. Um. Blow, blow, blow up the social meds. Yep. I mean, I did have a, a viral tweet recently. Got like 13, um, 14, th- almost 14,000 uh, likes. R.E. Feral Hogs. Sure. Um, just come and find me there. Sometimes I'm funny. Sounds like a horse call. I guess. Get all your horses to listen to the podcast. Excited horses hyped for it. Yep, excited horses, excited. He is ready. All right, well. He's an avid reader. I'm going to have more drinks and watch more TV because I have tomorrow off. I mean, not that that isn't what I'd be doing anyway, probably, but. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not more drinks on a Sunday night, but.